2: We're talking more 2021 wide receiver prospects on RotoViz What's Radio. Roto-Viz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst. At Road of Voice, joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. And we also are, interestingly tonight, brought to you by the Action Network. We talked some wide receivers last episode, Matt. We're getting to some of the players that might be getting less hype overall, as we alluded to in last episode. We like this wide receiver class in comparison to maybe the 2020-2019 class. Where do you think this one slates in?
1: I like this group quite a bit, um, not as deep uh, as some of the other classes, but I think some of the guys at the top are pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so we hit Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Terrace Marshall Jr., Rashad, we did do Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Toney last episode. Let's start off with Ron uh, Rondale Moore, a wide receiver out of Purdue. 5'9", 175. So we talked about Devonta Smith being, um, you know, a smaller-sized player. Rondale Moore, even smaller. Nonetheless, as a freshman, uh, finishes at 18 and a half years old, 114 recs, 1,258 yards, 12 receiving touchdowns. As a junior, only plays four games, 387 yards, two touchdowns, then just three games for Purdue as a junior, cuts the season short due to COVID. In that time frame, 35 recs, 270 yards, zero touchdowns. The things to look at are, as a freshman receiving dominator, .37, again, 12 touchdowns. Also rushed 21 times, 213 yards, added two rushing touchdowns. This is a player that I think could be a little bit divisive based upon the smaller statue or statue, oh my gosh, smaller stature, how much do you like more?
1: Um, He's my number two. I, wow, I, I love it, him, okay. I, I want him everywhere. Um, 21 years old as a rookie, Uh, 18-year-old true freshman, totally broke out. Uh, And it wasn't just, you know, the receiving production, which was great, you know, prolific. But he also had 213 yards rushing on 21 carries, you know, added the two touchdowns there. It was a great return man his freshman year in college. Uh, And then, you know, we saw it even... In his second and third seasons, you know, uh, partial seasons, the second year injured, you know, third year, the COVID situation, but still had 390 yards uh, in four games, uh, you know, 302 yards last year in three games. I mean, the guy is still so great. And even if he had done nothing in 2019 and 2020, I would still want him. Uh, just because of what he did as an 18 year old true freshman uh, in the big 10 right away, just, you know, was one of the best, one of the best players, one of the best receivers in college football immediately. And he was a four-star recruit. I want to be sure I get this right. Uh, four-star. Yes. He was a a true four-star recruit. Uh, and like, although he's small, you know, only 180 pounds, The dude is, I mean, he's like a shrunk down version of Saquon Barkley, you know, just in terms of like his, his stature, like his physique and the strength that he has, you know, when he was 18, he was like squatting, you know, like 500 and something pounds. Um, I mean, just like true, like true athlete shit that makes like other football (laughs) players like jump around and like go crazy because there's this small guy who's outlifting them um i don't know man i just i mean part of me wants to have him as the number one receiver but that's just too outrageous and i can't do that because chase was so great at a young age but you know Rondell Moore, given the fact that he's young he has the production uh and he accomplished so much at a young age in college I mean, it's just, it's impossible for me not to have him as a top five overall
2: uh, rookie pick right now. And if people are wondering how he's going to test, I think it's likely he tests superbly. Um, You know, 190 pounds, I believe he can squat over 600 pounds. And in high school ran a 4-3-40 yard dash, which seems to be like a, a fairly legit, Um, timing according. He's he's going to crush.
1: It was, it was a 4.33, which was the fastest time in his recruitment class. Like, just think about like, I know he's not going to be drafted ahead of Jamar chase. Um, but just think about all of the guys who have gone as the number one wide receiver in the draft over the past four or five years. I don't want to say just because they were fast, but that was like the main thing they had going for them. Think of like Henry Ruggs last year. And like, you just kind of go down the list of guys at the top of the draft at the wide receiver position over the past half decade. Like what these guys have all had for them is speed and more. I mean, he's got that like, it would not surprise me if he's a first rounder, but even if he's not just fine, massive mistake on the part of uh, of the NFL. And it's not just that he's a speedster, like incredibly athletic overall, like great vertical jump. Uh, the number one spark athlete in his recruitment class. Like this guy is an Uber stud. Like I don't want to compare anyone like physically to Tyree kill, but like, this is the number one athlete in his class and he's a great receiver on top of that. Like this guy is legit.
2: Okay. So basically you are pants off on Rondale Moore. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, where do you want to move next, Matt? Uh let's talk
1: about uh let me look at the list of receivers here. Um let's talk about Elijah Moore because he's gotten some first yep. to second round hype. And uh I mean I can't say
2: it's like it's unwarranted. Like he was he was certainly productive this past year. Yep. So to put some things in perspective here, he played his college ball at Ole Miss um, as a freshman, played in nine games, 36 receptions, 398 yards, two receiving touchdowns, um, ended that year at 18.7. As a sophomore, uh, 12 games, 67 recs, 850 yards, six receiving touchdowns. Then in uh, 2020, as a junior, 86 wrecks, 1,193 yards, eight touchdowns. This is a guy that's not going to have those gaudy yards per reception totals, finishes his career at 12.92, did rush 14 times, 64 yards and a touchdown as a junior, um, put up a receiving dominator in his sophomore year 0.45, then uh, his junior year, 0.36, not at quite as impressive of a profile as some of these players that we've talked about, but I still think that uh, some people will want to make a compelling case for more.
1: Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, he was productive uh, in the, that final season. He's more of a slot receiver. uh, And so there might be questions about, you know, how, how that translates to the NFL, whether a team would actually want to spend a high pick on him. Um, But one thing I do like about him is that he is going to be 21 years old as a rookie. So uh, you do have that going for him, you know, entering the league as uh, an early declare um, and, you know, was a legit four star recruit uh, entering college. So, you know, I I'm assuming he has some athleticism there. Um, we you know we just kind of have to wait to see how he tests. He's on the smaller side, which you would expect given that he plays in the slot. But um, I think there's there's
2: some real potential there for him. No, I actually want to pause a minute here um, because we didn't talk about it in last episode, but when you're evaluating players, Matt, obviously there's some mixture of looking at what you know about these players athletically, looking at the evaluation that they would have had entering college football, their production, what that looked like, you know, when they broke out, were they young, did they break out, things like that. Are you assigning weights to those categories on a player by player basis? Or do you have any specific um, traits that a player needs to have to do well in the algorithm that sits in your mind?
1: Yes. So there's uh, an algorithm in my mind, and then there's uh, something that we could loosely call an algorithm in spreadsheets. Yep. Yeah. I, I do assign, you know, different weights to some of these factors. Um, but you know, ultimately like, so then they'll, they'll spit out sort of projections for what a guy might do in his first three years. Um, you know, and then sometimes I will manually adjust from there. I try not to adjust too much because I, I feel like, you know, like my brain is still like the thing that determined what is in the spreadsheets. I probably shouldn't deviate too much from my quote unquote model because you know, that, you know, introducing even more subjectivity I think is something that could lead me astray. Um, so yeah, there, there are weights, you know, the things that are really important to me, um, breakout age, uh, and not actually, let me rephrase that. It's not necessarily for me breakout age. It's the combination of breakout age and breakout experience. So if a guy does it as a true freshman, Uh, I really value that. Even if he's, you know, 19 years old instead of 18 years old, uh, it's fine. He still broke out at the earliest possible opportunity he could. Um, So that combination of breakout age, breakout experience is something uh, I really prioritize. And then, yeah, if a guy has a a five-star recruit rating, like that still means something like that actually means a lot. Um, And so But that also is often correlated with guys who end up having really good production. So it's not as if I have to go all that far uh, in in trying to find guys who have a good recruitment status that normally correlates with a lot of other things that I like.
2: Got it. And you know, one thing that I, I see sometimes people push back on is the idea of focusing so much on age. But I think you put it well that, you know, obviously you can look at breakout age But you can also look at the experience that a player had there. And just because we focus on age a lot, it doesn't mean that we're always just saying if a player broke out at 18.5, he has to be better than a player that broke out at 19.2, for example. Um, But when you're looking at all of these players who all look like they're going to project athletically. That all have solid production in college and you have to find things to break these ties. We know that precocious players have better odds historically, or if you're building predictive models, that is a significant input. So there's things like breakout age that you have to include into your overall evaluation. And like, yeah. um, you know, like we've talked about before, there's certain players that in the context of their situation, you might make adjustment to those weights because there's factors that you're not going to necessarily pick up in a model.
1: Yeah. And I should say, um, you know, uh, looking at breakout experience is something that has been in my, uh, my quote unquote model for years, Yeah. but I, I never actually went the distance of like backtesting to see if it was something that actually was predictive, but Anthony Miko uh, has done the Lord's work, yep. uh, and actually, uh, backtested this stuff. And, you know, he's, I- according to his numbers, um, Breakout experience is just as predictive and I I believe he has said more predictive than breakout age Uh, So certainly something to keep in mind.
2: Yeah, and this is this is
1: the calvin ridley lesson You know, (laughs) like every time we miss on something it's important to evaluate like what what we got wrong, if it was process or if it was just randomness. And, you know, with Calvin Ridley, some of it certainly was process. I focused way too much on age for him instead of the fact that he broke out right away as a true junior, sorry, as a a true freshman.
2: Yep. You know, and I think though, part of what factored into that too, that made Ridley a difficult case to solve was that if you listen to the people That were respected in dissecting film. One of the things that you heard a lot was he was a very good route runner. But, you know, being an older player that had more time to work on his route running skills, it looked like some of those things that he was being lauded for might be things that you would have picked up with a more advanced age. Um, not to say that that dismisses the overemphasis that I probably may have placed on age as well. Uh, but it just goes back to this point that there are a lot of factors going into a player and there's reasons why you might place more emphasis on one trait or, or some type of production that player had from one player than another. Um, but let's continue along here. Let's hit one more player map before we take a break. Um, you want to talk about, uh, Diami Brown from, uh, North Carolina, six one one ninety five. 195. That work? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, um, let me quickly get the numbers here. Played from 2018 to 2020. Um, as a freshman, limited involvement ended that year at 19.1. 17 recs, 173 yards, and a touchdown. The big jump comes going into a sophomore year. 12 games, 51 recs, over 1,000 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Receiving dominator of .31. Closes off his career with 11 games in 2020, 55 wrecks, 1,099 yards and eight touchdowns receiving dominator of, um, 0.3. Um, did record 32 rushing attempts um, in his, or excuse me, sorry, only one rushing attempt in his 32 games. So not too much uh, to speak of there. But overall, a player that I, I do know some people, uh, in specific Blair Andrews, really like in comparison to where a lot of people uh, are placing them in their early rankings.
1: Yeah, I like him. Um, I have him right now as like a middle of the second round uh, You know, wide receiver in rookie, uh, rookie drafts, but, um, I don't know, like that kind of speaks to some of the depth of this wide receiver class where I think you can get someone like him in the middle of the second round and, uh, he provides value and and maybe he moves up throughout the draft process, but I like the fact that he has back-to-back thousand yard seasons. Um, he was a four-star recruit, uh, actually had an offer to Alabama, Uh, so, you know, not to say that like he's an Alabama receiver, but you know, like Alabama in all of their, um, you know, reconnaissance is the wrong word, but in like all, (laughs) like all of the evaluation that they, that they do of high school, uh, of high school players. And we know how good that they are at identifying, uh, wide receiver talent. Like they looked at him and thought like, we want him and he didn't go to Alabama, Because there were just so many other wide receivers there, which like probably a smart move. Um, But, you know, given what he accomplished at UNC and the uh, the recruitment status that he has, uh, he's certainly someone that I'm going to be looking at.
2: Definitely an interesting prospect. Uh, As I said, though, we're going to step away now for a quick word from our sponsors. So we've crowned a Super Bowl champion, and now the NFL draft is coming up, which means it's time to think about who can win it all next year and maybe betting a few dollars on it this time. Around this time last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks were 22 to 1 just to win the conference, which means a bet of $20 would have paid out over 400 So if you're thinking about getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game in every major sport. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro System. We're driven
0: by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Subscription when you use the promo code ROTOVIS. This offer won't last long, so go to ActionNetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use the promo code Rotoviz to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
2: And another reminder that you can still get that 10% off of a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout you will learn more about all of the receivers that we talked about uh, in these prospect episodes that we're doing. We also have, if you're really dying to get your hands on, over 100 player profiles done by Travis May, and articles by the rest of the RotoViz team. The 2021 Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide. Head to RotoViz to learn more about that. All right, Matt. We've gone through a number of receivers now. Any other players that you make that you want to make sure we hit before uh, you know we we move on? Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, nah, I'm fine with us moving on to tight end, right? Yeah. You want to move up tight on uh tight end. Yeah. Let's just say though, there's a couple of players that I think people might be intrigued about if they want to go and get more information. Tylen Wallace, wide receiver out of Oklahoma state. You had mentioned Sage Surratt out of wake forest. Seth Williams out of Auburn is a bigger player. Um, at, uh, six Amon Ross, St. Brown, Um, Out of USC, also other interesting names that you might hear about. So, as you mentioned, let's move on to tight end. The unanimous uh, number one option at tight end is Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Um, He is, let me just pull up very quickly here his size, um, 6'5", 239. As a freshman, did not play a lot, only three games, 73 receiving yards, one touchdown at uh a 20 20.2 year old sophomore season 54 rec 649 yards, five touchdowns. Then a big jump um in terms of touchdown production in 2020, eight games, 43 rec 770 yards, but 12 touchdowns also 17.91 yards per reception, receiving dominator of 0.31. Now remember, we're talking about college tight ends here, not wide receivers like the players we just talked about, so you cannot be expecting to see similar production. This is a pretty impressive um, profile, Matt, and also... If you go back to, I believe it's 2007, the seasons in which we have in our prospect box score scout at RotoViz, there's only two other tight ends in that time frame that put together a single season during their collegiate career with more than 12 touchdowns. Just two players. So that's a really impressive mark for Pitts.
1: Yeah, and he's going to be uh, just 21 as a rookie. Um, good athleticism. Let me... Get back into my, uh, yeah. So a four-star recruit. Um, I mean, uh, the the question, and by the way, like his numbers this past season, like they are like wide receiver type of numbers. Yep. Like 770 scrimmage yards in eight games. Like uh, that's like wide receiver uh, type of production, especially when you add on the, the 12 touchdowns. How high do you put him? in rookie drafts because I'm, I mean, if someone wanted to take him number three, like, I don't know if I'd actually have that big of a problem with it. Like if someone was like, look, I value Kyle Pitts above Najee Harris. Like, I don't know if I think that person was necessarily making a mistake. Um, you know, I would say maybe they're thinking like super long-term because it, you know, it takes a uh, tight end normally a little bit of time to develop. Whereas you would think Harris would probably produce more or less right away. But I have Pitts number four overall. And like I, I know that's probably aggressive, but uh, especially in Dynasty now, I just think it is so hard to win if you do not have a Kelsey or a Kittle type of talent at tight end. And those guys are so hard to find that like if you have someone like Pitts uh, who has a legitimate path to being a caliber of player like that you almost have to take that guy as soon as you can in the first round
2: I don't know if in my rankings I'd be able to get him higher than six just because there are those wide receivers and the two running backs that I really like having said that if you are somebody that is building a team or feels like they want to take the best shot that they can at getting a tight end that's going to be an elite tight end I have no problem with somebody going after Pitts early. I think in comparison to some of the other tight ends that we may have seen and the profiles that you could expect, Pitts stands up, stacks up very nicely. So as you alluded to, we have seen the importance of having those elite tight ends really propel a lot of teams as of late. Pitts is the type of player you're going to target if that's what you're going after. Um, I definitely had him as a first rounder when I was putting together my rankings for, um, the DCC rookie guide. And then I think it probably goes without saying that if you're in a, um, like an FFPC league where there's tight end premium yeah. scoring, like I have no problem at all with somebody. If they want to like really take a shot and get aggressive at pits, maybe take him, you know, at like three.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, you're probably not gonna take him number one, but like in Superflex, I don't know, man. Like I guess it just depends on Well, wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, not
1: super flex, Titan Premium. Okay, all right, all right. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Titan Premium. Yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, I mean I could see someone taking him number one. And I mean, I I might think that's like aggressive, but I don't think I would like make an argument as to like that person being
2: clearly wrong. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I personally wouldn't do that. Um, But, like I said, if you're somebody that is placing that outsized emphasis on tight end, and there was a player recently that you were going to take a shot on, I think you would go, um, you could make a strong case that Pitts is that player that you would take. So, in comparison to guys that we've seen the last couple of years, Matt, do you think that Pitts is one of the if not the best tight end prospect that we've seen in some time, or are there players that stand out yeah. from recent memory with more complete profiles. No, he's number one. Yep. Okay. It's
1: it's the the combination of youth and production, and then what I expect for athleticism. So if we think back um, to other guys who were drafted in the first round, um, you know, like think of like David and Joku back in the day. Yep. Um, not not as productive. As Kyle Pitts, you know, but he was 21. So that's one thing he had going for him, but he wasn't as highly drafted. Evan Ingram drafted pretty high, but much older, 23 as a rookie. Uh, You know, similar situation with OJ Howard, 23 as a rookie. Um, Think of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, both first rounders, but, you know, 22 uh, and not as productive as Kyle Pitts. You know, Pitts has everything where he's going to be drafted uh, almost certainly in the first half of round one, he's 21 years old as a rookie and he has the production to go along with it. And he was a four-star recruit. I'm assuming he has the athleticism to go along. So he's got everything. He's, yeah, he's, I would say the best tight end prospect that we've seen since Gronk. I mean, it's, he's number one.
2: Yeah. I mean, to put things in perspective, right last year, and I'm not tossing cole Komet out as you know one of these top prospects that we've seen in a while but as a point of reference so he was 20.8 at the end of his junior year at notre dame 43 racks 515 receiving yards six receiving touchdowns you contrast that with the season that you saw from Pitts, and it's just like a world of difference final question on Pitts in the nfl draft how high do you think it's like what's the highest we could see him going do you think
1: We could see him going. So, uh, looking at this in the drafts that I've surveyed, he's gone as high as number six and as low as number 15. Yep. Um, but he's gone in the first
2: round in all of the drafts
1: that I've looked at. And again, hasn't fallen
2: lower than 15. Okay. That is really impressive. So Pitts, very exciting. We also have Pat Freer I'm going to let you correct me on that if I butchered it, junior, uh, out of Penn State, 6'5", 250, um, not nearly that uh, profile that we saw, or, or doesn't have a season that matches the junior year for Pitts, but <laughs> has a really good freshman season, Matt. Uh, 368 yards, 8 receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of point uh, two six. but the caveat is he was 20.1 in that season, uh, 20.1 as a sophomore a year with 507 uh, receiving yards on 43 Rex seven touchdowns, only four games in 2020, 23 Rex 310 yards, one receiving touchdown, good enough of a profile that I think he has a strong case as the number two tight end in this class, but obviously nothing like Pitt's.
1: Yeah, I actually have him as the number three tight in, but it's, it's really yep. close with the other guy. I have number two, uh, who's Brevin Jordan. Um, but yeah, uh, Freyermuth, if that's how you pronounce his name, I don't know. Yeah, 23 as a rookie, so on the older side. Um, but, you know, four-star recruit. I expect him to be drafted on day two. He's got good size. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Productive at a young age, you know, right away at Penn State. And then in his final year, even though he played four games, still had 310 yards receiving. Like that's a good number for a tight end, you know, granted small sample. But, you know, we've seen him be productive each year of his career uh, across all types of samples. So, you know, pretty enthusiastic about what he could do. Uh, I think he will end up being someone who offers good value for people
2: later in rookie drafts. Certainly. And then we will close with the only other tight end that we felt like was talking about who you already mentioned, Brevin Jordan, out of Miami, 6'3", 245, um, played from 2018 to 2020, also on the younger side, uh, ends up at 18.4 after 10 games in his freshman year, 295 yards, 32 wrecks, four touchdowns. Nine games as a sophomore, 35 recs, 495 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And then as a junior in eight games, 38 receptions, 576 yards, seven receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of 0.35.
1: Yeah, pretty good production. In his final season, you mentioned he's going to be young as a rookie, just 21 years old, was a four star recruit. I think he also goes on day two uh, and he will be someone along with Freyermuth that, you know, I think you target if you aren't able to get Kyle Pitts in round one, but you still want to have some exposure to the tight end position. I think either one of those guys
2: provide value this year. Okay, Um. unrelated to thought to anything here, Matt, but I am jealous of you because clearly you've gone through and you've taken down notes on how many stars and some recruiting notes on every player that you have. Oh, yeah. I, I am a doofus who every year just starts looking up these things as I'm doing my research and then never drops them into a spreadsheet or anything. And it has just now occurred to me that at the end of every year of high school football, I should just grab a list of the recruits and just drop them into a database somewhere and then just reference those. That's all I have to say on that.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that feels excessive because you'll be, (laughs) you'll be getting a lot of guys who three to four years later won't end up, uh, you know, well, yeah, I guess it just, it sort of depends. Yeah. If you can, if there's a way that you can, uh, you know, in a CSV or whatever it's called, uh, like just dump it all in there, then that's fine. I think it's actually a little bit harder to find a, just a spreadsheet with all of the, Yeah. Uh, recruitment stars in there um plus there are different recruitment services so it's you know it's a little bit harder um to to kind of reconcile all of it but uh yeah it's it's not all that hard when you know it comes time and you're focusing on i don't know like 50 to 70 guys just to find out their recruitment status at that point
2: yeah that that's probably a fair point um but it definitely does, and I think we we, we already talked about this. It just adds like another layer of context in trying to figure out the um, the overall picture of these players. Because there definitely is, just like you, you can see, the teams in college football that recruit well tend to do better. And there's a reason for that. Uh, so it just kind of speaks yeah. to the overall picture of a player. And it also is interesting, like you mentioned, with Alabama to see the schools that were going after these players. Because there are certain schools that it looks like there's certain profiles of players they're looking for. Um, and you can kind of ascertain if a player is able to pan out in that system um, you know, in a way that might've been anticipated. So overall, I think that we have a pretty solid, uh, wide receiver class here. The tight end class, um, you know, has pits, which is interesting. We normally don't talk about tight end classes as being all that strong or all that weak. Um, I'll throw the final question to you here though. Uh, like that group of tight ends in comparison to what classes that we've seen lately, are you excited? Are you neutral? Well, I mean, it's, it's
1: better because it has pits in it. I mean, like pits yeah. will make every class better, but yeah, I mean the guys at two and three, like they're fine. I don't think they stack up much better than the other guys that we normally see as the second, third Titans in a group, but you know, they're, they're average, but because you have pits at the top, like that automatically makes it one of the best Titan classes we've seen since like the Epic 2010 class that had uh Gronk and Jimmy
2: Graham and Aaron Hernandez. Okay, you know what's funny about that? I always forget that that class had those three guys. And I've always, in my mind, viewed Gronk as younger than Jimmy Graham. Um, oh, he's significantly younger, because he was 21 and Graham was 24. Right, 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 right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I actually forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Not to go back to the Super Bowl here, but man... And I know I said we were dumb, but Gronk with those two touchdowns, you think there's still life in Gronk left Matt from a fantasy perspective now that he and Brady have that season, this you know, Super Bowl in Tampa Bay firing on all cylinders. I mean,
1: look, if Jimmy Graham could somehow be fantasy relevant last year as, you know, like a skeleton (laughs) who was going out there scoring eight touchdowns
2: uh, in a regular season, then sure, Gronk can still be fantasy relevant. All right. Well, we will talk about that and, uh, you know, a lot more interesting things as we progress through the offseason. We will definitely cover a lot more on these prospects, start talking about uh, athletic measurables and what have you as time moves along. But that does it for this episode. You can reach us at radio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Dave and at Matt F. The Oracle. Uh, thanks to the Action Network for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.